Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Kristen. We'd like to welcome you to the writer's story. And we are back to some spring weather after having summer a little early. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Last week, what, it got into like the 90s or 90. And now I see frost on the roof in the morning again. Yeah. And beautiful, but beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Meredith, have you gotten out into our 70 degree days, 65, walking in the woods? I mostly walked in, in town but everything is blooming or else it's done blooming. And now they're just moved to green leaves. It seemed like overnight. Yes, it does (laughs) happen so quickly. Well, I have had most fun walking in this park across the street from me because we have some owls that have set up house in one of the Boy Scouts um, owl houses on a tree near a creek. And they word has it some of the others who are more avid bird watchers than I or who are who are there with their great big zoom photography lenses have said there are two owlets in the box so baby oh, owls we saw them uh last year I guess maybe they come back to the house same house it's a very popular house yes. oh well, we don't know if it's the same owls or not i huh. i you know i wonder but every day now i see the every time i walk i see the owls you have to look they're very quiet yeah but um gosh they're <laughs> such cool birds very so that's very fun cool. yeah yeah well i have a a new screen porch on my the front of my house and um my cats are very fond of it because it is like being outside. You are on the same level as the grass. So <laughs> there's they, a lot in the grass. There's a lot in the grass. We have a lot of birds. We have our cherry tree is full of cherries that will hopefully eventually turn red and hopefully we'll get a few of them before the birds <laughs> feast out on the tree. Um, yeah but yeah it's it's there's lots there's lots of aliveness around here and and we usually will have one or two birds that will try to make an attempt to make a nest somewhere on our house (laughs) oh yes (laughs) oh i had to dissuade the carolina hens from nesting under the retractable awning i felt pretty bad about that but i did remove the beginnings of the nest and they have found a wonderful spot under one of our eaves that is the product of um home neglect <laughs> there's there's a good rotten spot in the corner under okay. the eave perfect for a little nest it's much better than the yeah they are occasionally some very um some birds will try for the for the for the down for the downspout on our screen porch. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. And Peter will be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This is just not a good idea. The first big rain and you'll be swept away. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've been um, I've been doing a lot of writing. I know you've been doing a lot of revising. Oh my gosh! Bananas. Yep. Sixty-two thousand words in on my latest book, which feels really great. I'm racing for the finish line, and that's wonderful. Yeah, and it, it's still fun. Good. There's still Good. some surprises left for me to discover, like how on earth I'm gonna get to the ending that I projected in my mind (laughs) 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 and and your revising is is going well it is I have basically chucked the last I don't know seven 25 percent or so of the novel that I had composed this is years ago I'm returning to it and and rewriting and I am and I'm writing like mad and it feels like it's so much better than the earlier version. This is historical fiction. And I wonder if stepping away from academia, which had informed the historical part of the historical fiction for a time has enabled me to be a little more liberated from it. So I'm, I am of course leaning on a lot of that but I am taking great liberties in the service of story and it feels like it's, it's coming together. 
So I'm hoping, I mean, I shouldn't jinx it, but I might be able to put a tomorrow. Point <laughs> tomorrow, the end, all caps. Yay. Yeah. But hey, Meredith, let's talk about books as object for a sec, because we are going to have a guest on in a little while. Um, we both know him personally and well, Kevin McFadden, such a wonderful guy. Um, and it, his the things that we'll talk about with him bring to mind things I would love to chat with you about and that is that books you know we talk about books the stories or the the content of them but they but let's talk about the object do you read books in physical form or do you read them online how do you read Meredith lately I feel like I read mostly online for convenience Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's always a little bit of a struggle in our house because my husband always believes that we have far too many books. <laughs> we must get rid of books. And I grew up in a house that clung to books and had just, you know, that just means you need more bookshelves is really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't like that they never went through the books and got rid of old books, but there are still books that, you know, when I go to my parents' house, there's still books from their college classes and stuff that they took. So they don't really get rid of books very easily. And um, so books as objects, I think, you know, I'm not one to collect like a first edition per mm -hmm. se, but we do have I think there are different kinds of books. So there's a book where it doesn't really matter whether it's paper or online because it's really about the words. And then there are mm -hmm. books that are very tactile or they're, you know, a, a book, you know, a childhood book like a Winnie the Pooh kind of thing, which is your, your with the illustrations. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's art books. Right. Which we have quite a few. And I don't think I can, I don't think I can't really imagine experiencing those online as well as you do when you have a giant book and you can really look yeah. at the yeah. images. And some of Kevin's work or the people with whom he works are making books that are themselves art, which I'm excited to talk with him more about. And I was thinking, I can't remember why, how my mind rambled over in this corner, but about how, when, this is totally going to date me, but when I was a child, we got books in our public school rooms that were textbooks that every class passed on to the next class, passed on to the next class, and so on. So I had, you know, a geography book that I don't know how many fourth graders had had before me or something like that, right? And in order to keep them in workable shape, math books maybe were, anyway, we put covers on them. We were supposed to put cover them. Oh, the paper yeah. cover that you would then yes. decorate. Yes, with, um, with a paper bag from the grocery store. We'd cut them up and then wrap it around the book, the cover, right? And then you wrote, I, and I thought about that today and I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be fun to have those old covers? Cause they kind of ended up being works of art, right? Cause you doodle on them and You're spill supposed to write them. in bubble letters or lots <laughs> yes, of colors. It was the seventies after all, bubble letters all the way. Glitter Crayon. pen, I don't know. Do From they the have big box. Pens? <laughs> that is so funny. Well, we also did some bookmaking when I was a kid. I remember making did journals you? and making paper and making yeah. marbled paper for covers of uh, wrapping paper and stuff like that. And it is, it is interesting. And then my mother also was a big repairer of books. Oh, really? That you could you like know, you can repair. Did she do it for other people or repair? No, just, just the books that we had. You know, wow. they wanted How did to you, keep... like broken spines or what? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do, like restitching or getting a new, you know, a fabric cover or something like that, you know, cover, recovering a book. 
wow, that's commitment. Yeah, yeah. Now she's a definite book lover, but she's also a medieval historian. So <laughs> <laughs> channeling a little of that. Yes, exactly. And, and did she illuminate them, as they say, with gold paint and deep blue colors and <laughs> we, mystical creatures. We didn't have that kind partners. of cash. <laughs> <laughs> Old leaf wasn't exactly. Neither did the monks. I mean, I think they had to have somebody, you know, give them the money to do that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that came from the Vatican. <laughs> yes, exactly. From higher up, higher up the food chain. A little higher up, yeah. <laughs> so do you oh, like to read physical books still I do I do I do but I don't I don't read them at the like like you I mean if convenience sake I need to if I need to consume a book in a digital version I will do that it's very I do find it very hard to read one on my computer yeah. because I do so much other stuff on my computer I don't find it very restful to read on the computer no, it's very hard to neither. curl up with it I can kind of curl up <laughs> with my <It's> iPad <laughs> and I have I have one of the early generation Kindles it no longer actually is able to download any books of its own <laughs> so I depend on my husband who has software that works and translates somehow over to mine but it's magic um yeah, so I'll I'll read on that, but my preference still is very much for an actual a physical book. copy. And I, yeah. you know, I did get an actual book the other day. Um, it was recommended to me from the library, and and I went and got it because I use the library services. They have a lot of um, online books there. And yes. I went, and I got it from the library, and I read it, and then I had to return it, and it was so interesting because it's like how quickly you get out of that rhythm. And then sort of like holding the book and turning the pages felt much more strange to me because I felt very out of practice. So probably I'll have to, <laughs> have to do more of that as opposed to sort of scroll, scroll, scroll. Um, yeah. But my husband loves actual reading books. And yeah. I think he's probably right. I used to have a book that, you know, like books that I would read at night so that you could stop with the screens. And I think that's a, it's generally a good idea, but I think mm -hmm. it's sometimes a challenge because <laughs> whatever yeah. you're reading is on whatever you're reading and, you know, you just have to yeah. go with it. Well, right. I think we should talk to Kevin about this. I think we should. So before we bring him in, a quick background, uh, Kevin McFadden is the Chief Operating Officer at the Virginia Humanities, and we both know him uh, in part through his connection to the Virginia Festival of the Book. He was Associate Professor, excuse me, Associate Program Director for like nine years, some years. And he um, is a letterpress printer in the Virginia Center for the Book community. So I'm excited to talk about the and book arts. With him. And he's also a poet. He is a poet and he wrote a book of poetry. Maybe he will read a little from us tonight that he um, wrote during the pandemic called Of All Trades. Although when I say a book, so this will be fun to talk with him about, he said it's actually like a deck of cards with poems uh, printed on them in it i don't know we have to ask him about that he's also the author of a book of poetry called hard scrabble that has won a bunch of awards so anyway it'll be fun to have him on should we call him up yes let's do it well hi kevin hey. hello <laughs> it's good to have you here thanks hi. for joining us well thanks for thanks for calling me up i think the last time i saw you you were looking a little tired but happy at the paramount that's right. That's we festival of the book. Yes. Just had a wonderful book festival and it, it was a great night. So yeah, tired but elated. Yeah. And and Good. happy to see it come off. And everyone's caught up uh, maybe on their sleep a little bit. Uh getting there. Getting there. The recovery is underway. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, wow, I bet it's intense. And then you basically wait a beat and start planning for next year. Oh, that's right. I always say it's like painting the Golden Gate Bridge. You're finished, and then you're like, start over over there. Oh, go back Hi. to the beginning. 
Just do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, talk to us a little bit about um, your printing press and and all the wonderful things that you guys are doing over there. Yeah. Also through the Virginia Center for the Book. uh, I was involved 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, there's a great community of people who rescued some letterpress equipment. Uh, I was sort of pushed to the corners of of many print shops and and commercial printing offices. And it still had so much use and life in it uh, for people who knew what to do with it. And that was the key, you know. And so uh, a group of people in Charlottesville pulled together, started kind of a paper organization at the McGuffey. McGuffey Arts of the Book Center was its first name. It eventually became folded into the work of Virginia Humanities at the Center for the Book. And it's just this magnet that continues to pull people in who are interested. Like, where did the book come from? Where did printing come from? This information age we're in, where did it start? Where did it go exponential because of, you know, mass production of of knowledge and through books? So, you know, I just got excited. I'm a poet. I came out of the creative writing program at, at the University of Virginia. And so you know, poetry and broadsides and and letterpress, that sort of is an easy kind of interest for me. But the further I got, you know, I went down the rabbit hole. I mean, I'm all (laughs) paper making. One year we made, like, we grew flax in our yard. No! Yeah, and we just, like, beat it, and there's this whole process to turn that into fiber, and it was unbelievable how much work that took to do it, to get just a little bit of fiber to make paper. This is why paper was so relatively expensive and and dear and books were were high luxury items in the middle ages because like to create paper and have that kind of uh ability it took a lot of work and and money so it's just part of the lore of of books and then binding books i started going into that making book covers like it just kept going for me and i i've loved it it's taught me a lot about books the process of writing a book is one thing and i i dearly love that but then it sort of created new entanglements for me that are you know have just been so much interesting and yeah you guys- that's so cool so i can't believe you actually even grew flax you started from the seeds that's commitment the seeds. <laughs> that is commitment. <laughs> so were the books of the middle ages on that kind like was the paper made yeah. of flax yeah so flax and linen them. and that kind of yeah okay. that's very readily uh, growable fiber and then the process they would sort of ret it which means they basically rotted it they, they get it wet and let it break up a little bit and then you had to ah. separate some of the fiber out and you know you're just trying to get this stuff that eventually you can put in a pulpy vat and take a screen and just sort of lift out these fibers and the fibers just all lay down and that's what paper is and then you sort of press it and dry it and you know that's yeah that's that's what that is and we all realize we're also very much 21st century people because we're like this is too hard <laughs> let's go online and I'm buy going some to staples buy some flax fiber let's go skip to the linen let's what do we have to do let's let somebody else grow and How make this is flax? this gonna <laughs> Exactly. And and people's lifespans were so much shorter back then. Right? I, I, it's like how long is this gonna take? How much of my life well, for that, like, yeah. well, not even to men. Well, you had talked about expense, but I mean, the the dyes were very expensive too. Right. Certain dyes, and we right. talked about mm-hmm. gold leaf and some of these beautiful man. Oh, obviously, oh, you know, my mother because she 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 goes and studies medieval maps, you know, and that kind of thing. And it's just it's crazy, and and it's not just one person often doing all that work. You know, there's. Oh, no, it's it's absolutely a community, you know, and it it's, can be repetitive work. So having someone around to just say, oh, had a rough time copying that manuscript today. I got the initial letter. I got halfway through it, spent the whole day, ran out of lapis lazuli. So I got to <laughs> go bribe a warlord and get some more. You know, there's crazy crazy world that I've learned about where, like, literally somebody who wanted to use that very same, you know, lapis uh, it's like it's in Afghanistan. There's like one mine or a few mines, let's say, and then and then you could not get it without sort of working locally, and that's what it entailed. So I was just like, wow. it, it's it is really fascinating how you know the history of books. 
And then it's created this, you know, fervor around the artist book. So basically it's artists taking back the book a little bit from some of the process of industrialization, which we've all been in. I'm speaking with two authors here. You know, we have published books uh, that we've written and probably in an electronic format given to someone. They've copy edited it rigorously, turned it into words in a book that basically though, there's not a lot of imagination in what the book is. There might be a great piece of cover art, which we're always grateful for, but the book itself is just sort of laid out, probably glued, maybe sewn and laid out in that order, maybe some images, you know, added to it, but it's that part of it is pretty rote. And the further you go into book arts, it's, there's just so many ways to make a book, so many ways to fold the paper and to have it kind of appear to the person who's handling it that sort of communicates a lot about what maybe intentions of how the book was made or for how many people it was made or how special it is because maybe it's just one of a kind. Uh, so that all of those form these other ways of sort of reading the object that are more than just reading the text, which I'm definitely focused on. I'm trying to write the best book I can when I'm writing a book, getting the words in the right order and, you know, make make the thoughts make sense and, and have them be communicable to someone else. But then there's this whole other process of what do we do with it then that is really kind of interesting in book artists. And when you talk about the mass, you know, creation of books, it's true. I mean, books are made to be shipped and to right. fit on a shelf and that kind of thing. And when you're given a book that's unusual size and you try to make it fit on your own bookshelves, it's sort of this whole thing of like, and I was just saying, I mean, we have one part of our bookshelf that's very, very high because, you know, through Peter's life as an artist, he collected a lot of mm -hmm. art books. Right. And they're oversized. And oversized. You know, and yeah, they're saying, I'm not going to do what the rest of your books do. <laughs> I'm not going to go away. I'm going to sit here and you're going to have to find a special place for me <laughs> or something to put around me. And yeah, those books are just like, they ask for a little more. And then they sort of demand of us, like, well, what am I going to do to protect this book and, mm -hmm. and experience it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, just, yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, and really. I think about some of those books that I've seen come out of your community there, Kevin, of um, that don't even they, that don't even operate in the ways we think of books with a page that turns, for instance, but maybe pages that are folded in ways that shape make a shape when you open them up. That's right. Um, and I'm thinking right now, we want to know more about, we talked a little bit about in the introduction, the book that you wrote during the pandemic of all, what is it? Let's see, of all trades? Of all the, trades. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about this. It's a deck of cards. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we got to go back to December of 2020. It's very, very dark time. I mean, literally the world is in that that phase of darkness, but we had not been working for almost a year at that stage. The work world changed so much. Lots of things ground to a halt. COVID was ranging. There's no vaccine yet. And those holidays were a holiday that most people spent at home, as I did with my wife. We, did, we sometimes traveled to see family. We did not. But particularly hard for me, was that my sister-in-law, who was a nurse, had just died of glioblastoma. Oh, um, so sorry. Yeah, and and at just at the end of Thanksgiving. So those those holidays, that end of the year was just so hard because COVID restrictions basically meant we were prevented from all the usual rites of grieving. Oh, you know, I could not yeah. visit my brother who lost his wife. Uh, there was no service. Yeah. You know, we we just felt kind of helpless. And even for my sister-in-law, when she was feeling the reality maybe of her mortality, she asked me to write a poem in honor of her. And that was just a, a tough task. You know, I was like, at, th at that point, we, we, we thought, oh, don't worry about that. It's not going to come to that. And then it did. And I really had no idea how or if that could happen. And at that time, I was mostly just so angry. Uh, because of the bad response we as a, you know, as a, as a culture had that meant that we could not now visit each other and be around each other. And had we done better, I was like, could we have, could, could this have been more, you know, normal? Um, so I was, I was sort of bound up in a lot of negative emotions mm -hmm. and I was like, what do angry people write? You know, oh. I'm like, sort of, historically I'm like, oh, there's some good curses, you know, they, they must've dreamed up. 
uh, you know, mm -hmm. 2000 years ago. But I remember this text. It was from the middle kingdom of, of Egypt and it was called the satire of the trades. And it's basically a scribe. It's a schoolboy text. Uh, you know, scribes were, had made to copy things out. And this was one of the things they probably all knew and were asked to do. And it's this catalog of jobs, you know, a barber or a shepherd or whatever, you know, that you, you could do back in ancient Egypt. And uh, it's basically ripping on all of those trades, saying, don't do that. If you're a, if you're a shepherd, you're going to smell all the time. Or if you make bricks, <laughs> you're going to be filthy. It's like basically it went trade by trade and everything you could do in the world is like, don't do that. That's terrible. <laughs> and at the end, what you should be is a scribe, you know, so. Oh, it's, like, yeah. it's a sales tool. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. They think of it as like, is it a satire? Is it, it's, it seems like it has to be. It's so over the top. But it's also like, but is that just what the scribes really wanted to pass on? Like, you're doing the best job. Keep doing that. Um, but also, like, all of the jobs were sort of turned upside down in the pandemic, where things that really had, had been marginalized culturally, you know, someone who might pack your groceries or deliver something to you or a school teacher, these, these became very risky professions that suddenly were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't undervalue these things. Uh, so it was in thinking about that that I started, you know, writing who decides why some people's jobs are valuable and not. And I didn't, you know, that's like an Adam Smith kind of question. I, I'm not I'm not talented enough to figure out why that happens. But I know the writers probably have something to do with, like, keeping that going, you know, like transmitting those biases about things. And we all probably have them. I certainly do growing up as a middle-class person, things your parents told you, oh, you don't want to do that, you shouldn't do this. Like, this is not that, if this text was 4,000 years ago, but it's not that uncommon to us to really say, yeah, there are these social cues we we pick up on, and then it determines who we should be. So I'll shut up now about that. That was sort of in the background. Mm, I'll, read, I'll read one of them. Uh, this is the first one, I guess. And it's called Writer. Kid be a writer. Your garden will be letters. Articulate the social goods of social betters. And the worst you'll face is banishment. Avoidable if you keep your profile low, your discernment firm. Someone else will get burned or clapped in fetters. Let them diminish you. Scribbler, hack, stringer, ink-stained wretch. These days, who else can correct another grown-up's grammar? And be praised. Dream of being a classic shaper, lines hammered on anvils, or chiseling at your tablet, whole days given to placement of pauses, consideration of audience, applauses, accolades, words shifting in your mind from carved to craved. If it's a lie, it's sold well down the Nile through time. You may die waiting on a rave, but none ever starved. So that's it. Uh, that's that's and, the first one. But then like and is, it on a, is it on a card? It's on a card. So, you know, that was the other part. A lot of them came. Like I started writing and there's just this two week period. I've never experienced anything like it. They were just pouring out of me. I'd walk down in the morning. I may have gotten up a little, you know, unable to sleep. And then morning coffee, I'd be sharing with Angie, like, oh, here's another three. You know, uh, and they, you know, like let's just I was going with it and there, there were enough of them. I'm like, there's almost like there's, there's 12, wait, there's, there's 25, wait, there's, let's go for 50. You know, like at a certain point it was just, it kept going, like just wow. it's more, more ridiculous, the more you're there. And, and at the point I settled at 52, I was like, well, that's a card deck <laughs> because this is the other thing. Writers are always like, how do I get this book published? You know, like no one's going <laughs> to, no one's going to publish my bizarre inspired by ancient Egypt set of writer, you know, uh, observations of other professions. Uh, it's just a really weird book. But I was like, I know who will publish 52 cards, a company that's like, that's their job. You basically send them a PDF and they, they send you this, you know, unique card deck for your wedding or whatever. So I was like, this is a way, a strategy. Like, how do I get a book block that I can put in what I can do, you know, remotely, and then someone will actually make this for me. And then I wanted to focus my time on the enclosure for it, like what goes around it. So I started thinking, well, what is, how does a card deck function and look? It's in one of those little packs usually where they, you rip off the seal that proves that like, oh, no one's tampered with this deck. 
Well, I wanted to play with that because I made it kind of look like a book, uh, you know, and I could kind of make a hard bound book around it. And then I had a little clasp that, you know, looks like the, one of those little stickers that's there. That's awesome. And then uh, a little magnet that sort of makes it kind of like you could open it. And then I could yeah. play with the cloth and things of the book and make the object a little more special because it's just, it's a mass produced thing like like any other book too inside. But I was like, how can I choose what the image on the back of that card is? How can I write every one of these, you know, make a little introduction and tuck it in there. So like all of that becomes becomes the book. And so that to me, like now I'm in the, the realm of an artist book and, and there are not gonna be a lot of them. You know, I, I, I chose also like 52 books. That's all I will make. Uh, um, limited edition. What's that? Limited, yeah, limited edition. edition, exactly. And are the enclosures each handmade, or are you those? They are each handmade. So wow, it took, it, <laughs> that took more time. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. But this is also what you find out from book artists. Like they'll, you know, you make a few, and like however many you planned on making, you're like they just sort of sit there a while until like, oh somebody wants one. So all right, I'll go and finish. It. But <laughs> I, I force myself to kind of complete these, uh, you know, all over. But you know inking the uh the addition numbers or something well like you that. also become a little like a factory i mean i've done yeah. sort of giveaways yes. for books and i i think i was doing um you know little tote bags with my book cover on them and i was doing it with iron on or whatever and you sort of after you get into a rhythm with it but then you're also like i am working at a factory i am making i mean i'm i'm only making a you know 75 of these but you know it's a lot of work <laughs> It's, it is a lot of work, but then it's like the labor of it kind of comes in and it felt right with this particular collection. It's like, I'm going to perform the labor of this. Some of it I'm going to send away. That feels like a privilege that somebody's going to send something back to me, but I will also yeah. participate. You know, I won't just take that and, and move it on. I want to participate in making something to make this special because I, I do have another I'd like to read uh, because of my sister-in-law. Um, oh, please. And it's, it's called Registered Nurse. Mm. A profession in the negative, like an x-ray, defined by all the things the doctor doesn't do. Give pills, check vitals, humor, humor, heal you. A nurse's manner is renowned. It has a place, and it's not that cold slab surgeon set you on. In any other setting, a job that immediately requires another job, that's the one management lets go. Just so, sister-in-law of the paralegal, joined at malpractice's hip, adept at which justice rarely dares to dip or wade. Somehow the bridesmaid, handmaid, even when the maid's a dude. Those who view the work down the line know why I sometimes make this case. I'm thinking of one now who shift the doctors knew to skip since the badge her patience read, said, Sue. And that was her name. She had a, a wicked sense of humor. Uh, she was an incredible person, funny, kind of cut up nurse. Uh -huh. uh, and it was like, when I wrote it, I was like, okay, that's that's the one. And I actually, when we did get to have the ceremony for Sue and, and her funeral properly, uh, I read that. Oh. It's great, Kevin. And you got two humor, humor in there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you so now, much. Well, thank them. you. Yeah. I, my father-in-law, I read a few of these to him, and he, he was like, you're going to make a lot of enemies here. And I was like, I'm hoping that people, you know, understand. This is... <laughs> Sue. Well, it can't go over. It can't go. Uh, well, did yeah. you tell your father-in-law you can only make 52 enemies? So it's probably going to be okay. <laughs> oh, Unless... Meredith, that is optimistic. There is more than one nurse in the world. There's more than one writer. <laughs> no, but he's only got 52 copies of the book. So That's, well, oh, true yes. that. Unless true you're that. putting it on social media and sort of saying, come get me. Why don't you mention that? Cause at the, I want at the, one of those. At the I weird outset, uh, I was I was putting a few up and getting reactions from people and saying, "Tell me another profession." It was like a game, you know, like an insult, yeah. like, "Hey, give me another one." So, Kevin, do. you could totally go in the tarot or oracle card <laughs> business with stuff like this. I'm serious. 
I love those cards <laughs> and I use them. I lay them out. I do my readings. Um, you could make a thing. With these, <laughs> well, I also sure. think, I know I just, you know, had a kid graduate from high school and it's so funny. They're still the professions that they tell kids about are still this very limited, weird number that probably have been since, you know, 1974. They just never seem to ever advance, you know, they're kind of like... I was just thinking about that, because we are probably of a generation, we all fill out these little bubbles of stuff we liked or what we were good at, and they sent us a little thing from Iowa, probably, and they said, you should be a this. You should be a that, and he did that, and I think they all did it very um, smart-alecky and... Um, I know this really surprises you, like sarcastically. And I think his came back that he should be a truck driver and, or no, a professional fisherman. And his friend was supposed to be a truck driver. It was like this whole thing that I was like, I think that high school should not be telling anyone to be a fisherman because what I've heard is that's kind of a dying profession, (laughs) you know, but I just thought there's all these jobs out there and kids just never even know that they exist. That's right. That's and we, right. if someone told us probably when we were 15 what we would be doing for a living, we would go, you do? People do that? <laughs> well, and I, yeah. I don't know what, when people tell me what they do, I don't know what it is still. I'm like, say what? So <laughs> actually, I have to tell you, a guy told me last night I had an opportunity to um, share some concert space with a fellow who has a career doing a number of things and he was talking about building logistics warehouses i said okay george you got i gotta tell me what goes into a logistics warehouse because logistics aren't they like without mass there's no thing there (laughs) anyway he described them to me and now i understand what a logistics warehouse is but he was just throwing it out there as though everybody knows what a logistics warehouse is sure of course what yeah. is in what what is in it? I don't understand. <laughs> what are the logistics in it? There's, How does it there's a there's a mind-boggling number of jobs. I mean, if you wanted to do a you know a, a big another card deck, I'm sure you could do it just by trying to study what some of these jobs are and trying to understand. But I'm not sure yes. how they are for all time, and that's the other thing too that that. I wonder how many of the jobs in Egypt still exist today. That's a great question. So I felt like a call to do a few. Like there's a barber. I was like, let's let's make sure the barber makes the, the way into there. Um, Even though people were cutting yep. their own hair during the pandemic. <laughs> Maybe a new appreciation for the barber. <laughs> it was temporary. And there were some that I'm like, this one seems like it's going to be, there's going to be less. Like butcher, I sort of moved in on because I'm eating less meat. I'm trying to sort of, I know the environmental impact of it, but I love it. So that poem is sort of like, I basically love this thing, but I know there's going to be less of it. Sorry, yeah. butcher, you know. Uh, <laughs> maybe get a second and job I'm trying to remember, <laughs> and i'm trying to remember what from my this is academic stuff reaching back ancient near eastern and i think they did this in egypt as well that there were a class of people they were a priestly class of people who would read the entrails of animals right. and would tell you the future and right. it's i think it's called haroustispi or something that like makes that sense yeah, so oh, that all right. Not, I, I'm not note, be a I, want, I want to read another one because this oh, one feels oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels right to me. Good. Fact checker. Oh. Helicopters over the teleprompted whoppers. First responders to the outbreaks of bullshit. These people have got all the answers graded even before we start to form our questions. Yes, that's it. The episode of Jeopardy we're in is dangerous and spreading, outlasts any host we may have ever loved. What are falsifiers, Alex? Yes, you know your Dante, go again. <laughs> and though we all seem to know this theme for pondering, if you wonder if we, as a consuming audience, are wandering, we are. We used to recognize lies ourselves, and now we must rely on this priestly cast to pick clean the carcass of a broadcast megalodons and donnas must find what meat of truths left after piranhas i can't believe what i witnessed on the last live feed 
Mm-hmm. So it's, you're right. Like, even though they're not there anymore, no, we're not gutting the intro. They're still like, oh, there's these something. are the people who will tell us if this is right. Yeah. Which I'm going to both yes. say, we desperately do need, but it's unfortunate that we need them because we sort of like, I feel like that's a capacity. You know, what, imagine watching TV in 2020 or say in January 2021. It's like, what is going on? And yeah. I mean, that yeah. was. That was a, a strange time. So hopefully that one. Yeah. Was some of that. Well, yeah. Well, and then you have this whole thing right now where, you know, everyone's flittering about and saying, oh, well, writers are going to be replaced by um, chat. Chat GPT. And, yep. and um, I was on a call with a bunch of other science communicators and they were talking about putting in someone's enormous bio and getting it to spit out a much shorter bio and stuff like that and oh wow this is such a time saver but you know the the thing that someone brought up is well you still need a human to read it over and and check on it because the the ai is smart but it's also stupid (laughs) just like you're talking about the fact checker so if yeah. I'm really indiscriminate and what I'm doing as this computer is I'm just going on Google and I'm just taking all the words in and going like, okay, Alex, this is the answer. You know, I may end up on the wrong thing or I may end up right. not understanding or I may give you too much or I may give you absolutely the wrong yeah. information. And if we're wrong about something because the mass of people believe a thing, let's say, or say they believe a thing, but it's uninvestigated. What's the what's the chatbot going to pick up, you know? And it, yeah. and that has happened. I'm, I'm curious. I've seen it do some really amazing things, you know, things that I don't want to do. Things that like maybe at work, like go write a letter that does this. Oh, there's one, and it, it did it, you know, yeah. better than I could have done it because I'm sitting here, you know, distracted by whatever. Uh, but you know, then I've seen it tasked with like write a creative story where this kind of thing happens. And the, what I've seen so far, you know, the AI yeah, could get better. It's just uninspired, you know, it's, it sort of feels like not that we were all eighth graders too, and we were probably all pretty good at writing in eighth grade for our age, but it felt a little like that, like it, it can do something, but where's the magic? Where's that synaptic leap that a, a great writer does that we want to see is like, I think it's going to be pretty hard to mimic that because humanity. <laughs> oh yeah i mean what basically good writers do is they catch us in our rhythms and our or a great comedian even like these are the things we all do because we know they're wrote and that's how it's supposed to go and they just they, they sort of shift it and move it and that's that's a really creative leap that if, if it gets to do that well then you know then we should I'm, just I'm give up job too. well if if it can <laughs> if it can start making little boxes for your cards then maybe into which you can put 52 poems (laughs) 52 poems then we can retire and say we give up yeah there's certain things i would really like um computers to do my taxes um (laughs) all really hard mathematics and um and if they could write some of those really dumb emails for that you need to do all the time, sure. Okay, sure, fine, that's fine. We don't need to tax our brain with that. But I don't know about literature. I think I would prefer to have my literature um, written by humans. <laughs> and my poetry. Although, who knows? Computer poetry might be really, really amusing. No no I, feeling? Yeah, but I think it's just like kind of intellectually amazing. Like yeah. the, it still feels like they're, and I, and honestly, I think categorically for me, if I know that this is AI generated, especially then, I think categorically I cannot connect with it in the same way because part of the pleasure for me is thinking there is a real human yeah. behind this. And what are they bringing, not necessarily in order that I figure out what exactly they meant by this, but like what, how did this come from a human experience is part of what is satisfying for me. When I think about, when I think about great literature, poetry, art, fiction, nonfiction, or otherwise, is is the thinking and appreciating the human behind that thing as well as my as my digesting the object itself or the product itself absolutely and i think 
you know, it may throw questions out there, like automatic writing is a kind of practice, you know, to sit down to think about what it is you want to say and to let it spill out kind of without too much mechanical intervention. But yeah. really, even you know, that is sort of an algorithm. It's just the algorithm of Kristen or the algorithm of Meredith or Kevin, and we've all practiced it. And we are doing that thing that it's doing. Uh, it's just able to sort of grab a bunch of info and do it really quickly. That is interesting, but I agree. Ultimately, when Kevin's doing Kevin and writing something is when I'm like, this is garbage. I don't want to, I've, I've done that one. Let's find something new. Let's get, let's get something more creative moving and even automatic writing. I often am a fan of things that uh, they, they force constraints on our, what we want to do. Mm. Like the constraint of this is like, you're going to have to write about a profession every time. That's, that's the yeah. constraint of this project. It can stretch, it can move, but like that's going to have to be what you do. And sometimes other like linguistic constraints or mechanical kind of things like, you know, the novel that doesn't have the letter E in it. You know, I did not write that, but someone <laughs> did. And these are just interesting things and just like the challenge of it and what, what can be done. Uh, I find those interesting too. And that is still a human because it's like, I'm a human operating under constraint. And we were in 2020, like we were all operating under a lot of constraints about what, where we could go. I mean, defensively, you know, you could tempt fate as, as some did. And yet, you know, those are real too, constraints and how we deal with them. Yeah, uh, so, I think are interesting. I just think it was so interesting um, talking about doing this during the pandemic, because if you think back and it's so funny, it's like when the olden days, it's just like two years ago um, <laughs> that, you know, there was the whole thing of like people making sourdough bread or or there were all these sort of things. And I and and I think it was about this sort of pursuit of humanness and uniqueness mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. my sourdough bread may taste terrible. Or it may not be as good as the one I right. could get at a bakery, but that bakery is not available to me. So here's what I can do. And I got my doorstop and I'm making it into toast. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm the, slicing this into toast, folks. But there's that satisfaction, I think. And even if you make a book and it doesn't right. turn out the way the book in your head was going to turn right. out. And so it is flawed. Absolutely. Right. You've still done yeah. that, and that process yeah. is so satisfying. Definitely, and that's part of why I was feeling. I mean, I'm not a social media adept. I kind of, I mostly probably my stance would be, uh, I stay away. I, I like to to look and see what people are doing. I think that's interesting. But my posting record is small. But then it was pretty high because it was like we're all in the same bad situation. Why don't we entertain each other a little bit? This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm. You know, like if we were just sitting around. Frankenstein was written on the night that, you know, uh, Mary Shelley and and her husband and some other uh, friends, they all were like, let's all go do something creative and come back and share it, you know, and they all did. And I'm sure the assignments were wonderful at the time, but one of them stood out. One of them was a book that like people still read all the time. Like that's an amazing yeah. moment of creation. You know, it's like, this yeah. is the stuff that's been buzzing around in my head. I just want to share it with some friends. And then, you know, that's, that's kind of what, happened so in that moment i felt like and i was reading other people writing or doing creative works at the time and i was just like this is a finally facebook which has many things counting against it like redeemed itself a little in that moment for me because i was like at least we can all connect when we can't be together yeah, yeah absolutely this has just been a really wonderful conversation i know we could go on for hours more <laughs> um but it's just been thank you so much for sharing well, your cards. You. Hopefully you have a link to where people can order a thousand of them so that you could then quit your day job and just make little boxes. <laughs> Forthcoming. We'll see. Yeah. This is this is where my my scheme falls off. Great. You know. How is anybody ever gonna get one of these, Kevin? I I I don't know. Maybe interview me like for uh you know, a, a podcast and oh, your chance you. goes way up. Let's say wow, that. we get on somehow your so, Christmas list. So or... my, name might, my name might get on the roster of the <laughs> purchasers of the box. <laughs> no, I'd love to. Kevin, thank you so much. This was really great to visit. And, and congratulations oh, for another wonderful festival of the book. Thank, you guys worked you. so hard yeah. and um, it was a triumph as always. A triumph of community, I agree.
Thank you so much. It's a pleasure uh, letting you uh, into that little corner of how, how that went for me. Awesome. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. Well, look forward to seeing you later, Kevin. Take okay. care. Bye. Take care. Well, that was just so delightful. I love yeah. that he was, he brought the poems to read. And... I know. I love that. And gosh, his ideas about books and his knowledge, Meredith. Oh my gosh. About like the history of bookmaking and all that. Fascinating. Yeah. 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 Just so much fun. <laughs> The paper making project he talked about. I vaguely remember like making making paper out of wood pulp yep. when I was a kid at like this day camp thing. Yeah. And it is very labor intensive and then yeah. what you get is very rough. Yes. Yes. So that's that's the those are the two things I remember. As I said, I remember marbling paper and I remember making paper. But I you know, there are certain things that, you know, you can sort of embrace the new technologies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, depending on what your your end, end goal is. Yeah. But those are so beautiful. Some of those, I've been to the, some of the shows that um, yeah. Kevin's community has, has, where they've featured some of their work. And, and they oh have wonderful gosh. auctions. Gorgeous. And I think yeah. we do own a few um, yeah. little books or, you know, artwork bo books that sort of thing that yeah. Peter hasn't been able to resist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're so charming and, and unique by yep. definition. Yeah, definitely. Well, this was well, it's always fun to visit with you. Yes. So great. And, um, we will connect next month and for another Good. great conversation. And, uh, yeah, as we continue through and, you know, and, hearing about the different um, different approaches people have to books. It was really, really fun to talk to Kevin, but also to talk to people this year who, who write, but also facilitate other writers in really yeah. interesting ways. Yeah. Well, enjoy the evening and we'll be in touch. Great. See you soon. Bye.